I grew up in a home that um, listened to and played lots of music. My dad played guitar, he played bass, I played guitar, my sister played piano, my grandfather played the violin or fiddle as he called it. Um, we had uh, another relative that played the banjo and and um, just about, and I had uncles, that my dad's brothers that played guitar, so almost every weekend at times, uh, we would all come together at our house, and we would just have music. Um, I was also uh, dragged to uh, some country music uh, festivals uh, with my mom and dad. There was a place outside of uh, Anderson, Indiana, called Mockingbird Hill. You know, with a name like that, you know it's not good. You know, I mean, as a kid, you just may you may not well. You may as well not go there, but you got to because your dad's taking you. But anyway, so we went. You know, listened to George Jones and Merle Haggard and all those guys. You know, so that's how I grew up. Uh, then we started going to Southern Gospel concerts, and so when my mom and dad got more involved in church, then that's the direction they went. So we would go. We'd listen to all these Southern Gospel groups, which that was okay. I didn't mind that so much. So we always had music involved in our life. Now, when uh, we had boys. Uh, at that time, Lucy and I loved to just listen to classic rock, and so we would be driving on family vacations and, and stuff, and we would always have the classic rock station on, so with, the, with our boys, we would play the game, name that tune, and name that artist, you know, and so our boys know all the classic rock songs, I mean, that's how they grew up, because music has always been a vital part of my life, and then when I became a worship pastor, and for those 16 years, music was just a part of who I was and what I did. Now, I don't know if you've ever done this when it comes to music, but I found myself doing this at times. And that is, uh, when I would listen to a song, I would usually know within the first minute or less if I wanted to continue listening to that song, right? I mean, how many of you do that? I mean, you, you'll play a song, you'll hear a new song, and all of a sudden, you know, you're going, man, I don't want to listen to that anymore. You know, it's change channels or whatever. And, and we do that. Uh, and, and I even began doing that at times with worship music. I would, people would tell me great songs, hey, our church is doing this, or you need to be doing this, and so I would listen to it, and I'd play for about the first minute, and then I would say, no, I just don't really like that one. I just don't think that's one I want to do, and so I began to do that. Now, here's what I discovered. What I discovered was this, that I was missing out on some great things. Because I would only give it to that first part, I was missing out on what ended up being an incredible message in the song. And if I'd only allowed it to play out, I would have discovered how good it was. I thought about that, and I think that applies a lot to our life, don't you? And this is what I mean by that. Sometimes the most difficult circumstances in life are the very things that we hope God will remove from our lives. Aren't they? I mean, when we, when we are, are going through those difficult situations, when life gets hard, when life gets messy, when the circumstances of life come in and begin to take over, all of a sudden we get to that first part of the messiness and we say, hey, God, please change the channel. Please change the channel, God. Because I don't like what I'm hearing. 
I don't like the message that's coming across. Can you just change this song? Can you change this channel? And here's what we fail to realize. We fail to realize that those might be the very things that God wants to use in order to accomplish his purpose and will in our life. Those messy times, those hard times, those tough times, those circumstances when we say, God, please change the channel. I don't like this song right now. God may be saying, if you will just let it play out. If you'll just let it go to the end. Because if you'll let it go to the end, I've got something amazing for you. Because my purpose and my will can be fulfilled if you just let it play out. And no, I won't change the channel. Go with me for a moment. Back to the Garden of Gethsemane. Because what we're going to discover is Jesus struggled with this very thing in his life. And I want to give you some comfort, but it will also help you to see why you need to allow this song to play out. As we come to the garden, the events that led up to that were this. Jesus had just shared the Last Supper or the Passover feast with his disciples. I really believe that at this particular time, that this particular Passover that he was sit, uh, spending with this man, I, I think he really honestly was hoping that they would finally get it. That they would finally understand the meaning and the depth behind what was about to happen down the road. That he was going to become the Passover lamb that would provide the forgiveness for the world. But they didn't understand that, did they? Instead, they argued about who was the greatest. So what could have been a really great time with his guys ended up being very stressful. In fact, he even had to teach them a lesson by washing their feet and showing that the greatest among them is the one that serves. It's the one that will get down and wash the dirty feet. And they left that room also knowing that one of those was going to betray Jesus. So he takes his guys, he goes into the Garden of Gethsemane, and when he gets there, he prays. Stories found in Matthew chapter 26. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn there. Again, it's, it won't be on the screen. I just want to read a couple things from you or for you. Matthew chapter 26, starting in verse 36. Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane, and he said, Sit here while I, uh, while I go over there to pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. In fact, in one of the versions, it'll actually tell you that he literally came to the place where he sweat great drops of blood because he was in so much stress, so much agony, so much anguish was going through his body that he literally sweat great drops of blood. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. You see, right now, he understood what was about to happen. He could see down the road. He knew what he was about to face. 
It was that hard times, that, that difficult time, that struggle, that circumstance that was beginning to play out and the song that was coming on, he wasn't wanting to hear. He went on a little further and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, my father, if it's possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me, yet I want your will to be done and not mine. In that moment, Jesus prays to his father, can you change the channel? Can you change the channel? I don't like that song. I'm not sure I want to hear the rest of it. But I tell you what, God, if, if that's your will for me, then, then I'm going to allow it to play out. But can you change the channel? Look down in verse 42. Then Jesus left them a second time and prayed, My Father, if this cup cannot be taken away, unless I drink it, your will be done. See, Jesus struggled. He struggled with the very same things that we do. But the difference was this. Jesus understood what we forget, and that is that the very things that we want God to stop and to take out of our lives are the very things that he wants to use to mold us and shape us into his image. The very things that we want God to remove from us are the very things that God says, I'm going to accomplish something great, but the song has to play out. You can't stop it in the beginning. It's got to play all the way out. And that's why Jesus could pray, not my will, but yours be done. Because he knew, he knew what the end of the song would be. You see, when we look at the cross, we see pain and we see suffering and we see death. And we think, why would Jesus allow himself to be brutalized in that way? Because that doesn't make sense to us. After all, we want the song stopped. We don't want to carry it out to the end. But look what the writer of Hebrews says. I mean, this is amazing. Because he writes, who for the joy. Underline that word. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Think about that. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. How in the world could he endure something that was so brutal, something that was so painful, something that only brought death? How could he have joy in that? The reason is, is because he could allow it to play out. And he knew when he allowed it to play out, there was joy at the end. There was joy at the end. Crucifixion. Let me tell you just a little bit about it because it was one of the most brutal forms of death. In the first century, a cross was not a trinket. It was not a necklace that we wear around our neck. It was a, it was a hundred pound instrument of pain, suffering, and death. And when people saw it, they trembled, and it sent shivers up and down their spine, and they knew it meant one thing. Someone is going to die today. Someone's going to die. Let me describe it for you just, just briefly, just so that you have a picture 
of what Jesus was facing, why he struggled with that song that was being played. Before crucifixion would take place, the person who was sentenced would be taken and they would be flogged. They would be scourged. They would be taken. They would be stripped uh, of their clothing. Their hands and wrists would be tied to a pole, stretching their back. Then the soldiers would take take this instrument that was basically a, a wooden handle with leather strips anywhere from two to three feet long that they would come off of that. Embedded in the, those pieces of leather would be lead and, and sheep bone. And with every lash that would go across the flesh, the flesh would be split and it would be open and blood would begin to pour. Now, according to Hebrew law, you could only... You could only flog somebody up to 40 times, and they were so strict with the law, they would actually say 40 minus 1, 39, so that there would be a little leeway in there because if a soldier went over 40, a Jewish soldier went over 40, he would be flogged himself, so they never went over 40. The problem is Jesus was flogged by Roman soldiers, and the Romans had no law. It was unlimited into what they could do. After the flogging would take place, they would, they would take the cross beam of the cross. And history tells us that the only piece that the person carried to the place of execution was the cross beam of the cross. The cross beam weighed approximately 100 pounds. And it would be placed upon the bloody, torn shoulders of the individual. And they would be forced to carry it to the place of execution. As we know from scripture, Jesus fell under the weight and the blood loss and was not able to carry it the full way. And, and a man by the name of Simon from Cyrene, who had come into town, was forced then to carry the cross the rest of the way. When they would get to the place of execution, they would take the individual, and then they would be nailed to the crossbeam. Nails would be driven through the wrists. The crossbeam would then be fastened to the vertical beam. And their nails, or nails would be driven through their ankles, and their feet would be fastened to the cross. And they would lift it up, and they would drop it in a hole, shaking the very core of the person's body. And there they would hang slightly forward, and they would die. And death would come basically from suffocation because you could no longer breathe because as you hung there and as you began to slack down, your lungs would be pressured and you could not breathe. You couldn't get any air through those lungs. And so the only way you could breathe was you had to pull yourself up by the nails or push yourself up by the nails in your feet. And after a while, you couldn't do that and you literally died because you could not breathe. That's crucifixion. History tells us that no one survived crucifixion it was that brutal and yet Jesus says for the joy set before me I endured the cross I endured his pain I endured his suffering and I did it because of this because what man saw as suffering and death I saw as deliverance what man sees as death, Jesus sees as deliverance. He saw the cross as a way for you and I to be delivered and set free from our sin. That's why he could have joy. 
That's why the song had to play out to the very end. Because if it was stopped here, there would be no joy. There would be no death. There would be no crucifixion. And we would have no forgiveness. But when the song played out, there was joy in the deliverance of man. You see, once Jesus came to terms with God's purpose and God's will for his life in the garden, he understood that his death meant that you and I would now have a way to be forgiven. How awesome is that? So then, why the cross? I mean, why did Jesus have to go through so much pain and suffering? You know, over the years, I've heard people tell me that they really didn't want to hear the details of the crucifixion, just like what I shared with you a moment ago. I've heard people say that it's too gruesome, too ugly. I've heard people say that they didn't want to see the passion of the Christ when it came out because of that very thing. And maybe some of you feel that way today. I mean, you would rather gloss over the reality of what happened to Jesus and then just get on with life. But here's what hit me. Maybe for some, the reason you would rather gloss over it is because you realize that the reason he suffered was because of you. And you just don't want to deal with that. I mean, the reality is, my sin and your sin put him on the cross. We're the reason he died. And the truth is, we all have to come to terms with that. He suffered the most horrific death known to man because he loves us that much. So why the cross? I just want to remind you of some things this morning. Some reasons why the cross was so important. The reason why the song had to play out to the very end. And it's for this reason. Because if sin is not dealt with, it will separate us from God. That's the very first thing. If sin is not dealt with, it will separate us from God. Listen to what, what Paul says in Romans 3.23. Everyone has sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard. Everyone. There's not a person here who has not sinned. We've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. I may not be politically correct to say, but that's the truth. That's reality. And we've got to come to terms with that. In the book of Ephesians chapter 2, we, we looked at this just a, a, a couple months ago as we talked through that series on dead men walking. Look at what verse 1 and 2 say in Ephesians 2. In the past you were spiritually dead because what? Because of your sins and the things you did against God. Yes, in the past you lived the way you, the world lives, following the ruler of the evil powers that are above the earth. Whether you want to realize it or not, all of us are sinners in need of a Savior. And our sin, if it is not dealt with, it will separate us from the Father. Ravi Zacharias once said, the cross proves that sin is not trivial. It proves that we are valuable and forgiveness is possible. So why the cross? Because we're sinners. And if our sin's not dealt with, it will separate us from God. But the second reason is this, because no matter how much we want to save ourselves, we can never meet the demands of justice. No matter how much you want to save yourself, you can never meet the demands of justice. Let me tell you, there are, there are two paths you can choose in life. One will lead you on a journey where you spend the rest of your life trying to earn God's approval by the good things you do. And the other path will lead you on a journey where you enjoy God's approval by accepting what Jesus has already done for you. 
And that journey is called the journey of grace. Paul writes in Romans 6.23, the payment for sin is death, but God gives us the free gift of life forever in Christ Jesus our Lord. He goes on to say in Ephesians 2, verses 4 and 5, But God's mercy is great, and he loved us very much. Though we were spiritually dead because of the things we did against God, he gave us new life with Christ. You have been saved by God's grace. You see, it doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter how much money you put in the offering each week. It doesn't matter how good-looking you are, how good, what kind of shape you're in. It doesn't matter who your parents are or who your grandparents are. It doesn't matter because you can never do enough to save yourself. You can never do enough to meet the demands of justice. So why the cross? Because you can't save you, but he can Thirdly, because sin can only be removed and cleansed by the shedding of blood. Can only be removed and cleansed by the shedding of blood. I've told you this before, but I want to remind you of this because it's so important to be reminded of. Go back with me to the Garden of Eden. And we all know the story of Adam and Eve. After they were created, they were naked and not ashamed. And they fellowshiped not only with one another, but most importantly, they fellowshiped with God. And as they fellowshiped with God in the garden, God just said, hey, everything is yours, but do not eat from this one tree. This tree in the middle, don't eat of that. I know it looks good, just don't eat of it. And as we know, Satan comes along in the form of the serpent, and he tricks them into believing that what God said really wasn't true. And so they, they eat of the apple, and what happens? All of a sudden, they realize their nakedness. They realize their shame. So they try to fix it with fig leaves and they, they begin to hide and God comes and God deals with them. And then in chapter 3, verse 21, we read something amazing. Because God takes an innocent third party and he kills it. He sheds its blood. He takes its skin and he makes clothing to cover their shame and nakedness. Many believe that this was the beginning of the sacrificial system of the Old Testament, and it was a foreshadowing of what Christ would do for all mankind. As they learned that day, that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. As we come into the book of Exodus, and God's trying to get the people of Israel out of Egypt, out of slavery. And he's doing it through Moses. And he brings on them ten plagues, the last being the death of the firstborn. And Moses goes to the people. He goes to Moses and said, you tell the people to take a lamb, to take this unspotless lamb, to kill it, then to cook it, to eat it until it's gone, but to take the blood and paint the doorpost of their house because tonight the death angel's coming. And the death angel, when he comes, he will only pass over the homes that are covered by the blood of the lamb. And that was a foreshadowing of what Christ would do as he became our Passover lamb. His blood would pay the price. And all through the Old Testament, we see that it takes the shedding of blood to cover the sin of people. And as we come into the New Testament, the angel tells Joseph that Mary 
would have a son by the Holy Spirit and that they were to name him Jesus because he would save the people from their sin. And when he made that statement, he will save their people from their sin, inherent in that statement is this. It will take the shedding of blood to save the people from their sin. He is born to die because his blood will be required to save the people from their sin because sin can only be forgiven through the shedding of blood. Move on 30 years. As Jesus is preparing to start his ministry, and as he prepares, he goes to John uh, at the Jordan River where John's baptizing Jews. And when John sees him coming, he looks up and he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of mankind. And what John was saying was this. Look, people, look. Coming before us right there, he's the sacrificial lamb. He's the Passover lamb. He's the one the whole Old Testament talked about. That is him. He's coming before us. He's the one whose blood will be spilled to save you from your sins. Isaiah wrote in Isaiah 53, 6, We all have wandered away like sheep. Each of us has gone his own way. But the Lord has put on him the punishment for all the evil we have done. You see, Jesus never lied, but he died the death of a liar. He never stole anything, but he suffered the penalty of a thief. Why? So that you and I wouldn't have to. Jesus' death on the cross and the blood he shed met the demands of justice. He paid the penalty for my sin and for yours. Listen to these words that Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. He writes, he is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. In Romans chapter 5, verse 8 and 9, but God shows his great love for us in this way. Christ died for us while we were still sinners. So through Christ, we will surely be saved from God's anger because we have been made right with God by the blood of Christ's death. And Paul writes in Colossians 1.20, God made peace through the blood of Christ's death on the cross. As we've said before, Christ's death on the cross is what sets us apart from every other world religion. Because in every other religion, if you do something wrong, you pay the price. You screw up, you pay. You break the rules, you pay. But in Christianity, God has made a way for us through his son. And he willingly, out of his mercy and out of his grace and out of his love, paid the penalty for our screw-ups. That's how much God loves us. Oswald Chambers wrote, The greatest note of triumph that ever sounded in the ears of a startled universe Sounded on the cross, it is finished. He writes, that is the last word in the redemption of man. Why the cross? Because through the cross, you and I have been redeemed. Because of the cross, you and I have been bought back from a life of sin. You and I no longer have to suffer eternal separation from the Father because of the cross. Now, there's one last why that we need to understand, and it's something, again, that we've talked about, but it's also something that we need to understand, and it's simply this. Why the cross? Because there's a final day of reckoning coming. 
The Bible is very clear on this. That there's an end to human history where every person who has ever lived will stand before a holy God. You see, somebody must satisfy the demands of justice. Somebody must pay the price for our sin. And so while you're still breathing and sucking air on this planet, you have two options. Option one, you can try to pay it on your own. I mean, everybody has that right to choose this option. In other words, you can take the hit. Now, let me be really honest with you. That's a bad idea. <laughs> That's just a bad idea. Because if you choose that option, the Bible is very clear that you will spend an eternity separated from God, and you will be cast into eternal darkness, and you will experience incredible regret. Option two, we can accept Jesus into our hearts as our Lord and Savior, and we can allow his death on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin. He paid the price. He fulfilled the requirements for justice, and he took the hit so that we wouldn't have to. So this morning, as we reflect, Adam's going to come and play, and as he does, we just want to reflect on what God has done for us. Let me ask you. When it comes to the things in your life, do you still go to God and say, God, I just don't like that song? God, can you change the channel right now because I don't like how this is sounding? Or are you willing to allow God to play it out? Understanding that when he plays it out, the end result is joy. Where are you at in your relationship with Christ? Where are you at? Have you accepted the free gift that he has given? Do you understand what he has done for you to take away the sin that we all have? He suffered and died on the cross so that you and I could have and experience life. Now it's up to you. What will you choose? What will you choose in your life? We're going to spend a moment in reflection. If you just need to pray or you just need to get some things right, this is your time to come and just say, God, I just need to, I just need to talk to you. And God, I'm sorry that I haven't allowed you to play the song out. But God, from here on out, even though I may not like it, I'm going to allow you to play it out because I know at the end there's joy. Because I saw what you did with Jesus and the joy that he had. So where are you at today? Maybe you've never accepted Christ in your life. Maybe that's what you need to do. But whatever it is, I just encourage you to come and we'll pray with you. If you're not comfortable coming now, we'll have people that will be praying for you at the end. And, you, and they would love to pray with you. But let's reflect.